This is the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Blanc, episode 130. Let's do this. You're listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast, where we'll talk about all aspects of buying apartment buildings with a special focus on raising money from others. And now, your host, Michael Blanc. Hey, hey, hey. This is the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Blanc. I'm really excited that you're here. Today, we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics of all time, which is raising private capital. And to help us with this, we have Matt Faircloth uh, coming on just a second. He just released a book on Amazon. It's called, gosh, Raising Private Capital. And it's a really cool book. I read it. A lot of great content in there. I want to kind of go deep with Matt on this one. Uh, before we do, though, just want to remind you that if you haven't done so already, grab my book, this yellow book called Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing. It's just recently out on Amazon and definitely check it out because it's my blueprint to financial freedom with real estate investing. And of course, spoiler alert, it's with apartment buildings. But don't worry, I show you exactly how to do it even if you have no experience or your own cash. So check that out it's on Amazon, financial freedom with real estate investing and uh, check it out right after this podcast. And then when you're doing that, go get Matt's book as well, Raising Private Capital. They're great, great two books together. One's yellow, which is mine, and, and Matt's is blue. All right, so with that, let's get right into the interview with Matt Faircloth. Here we go. Matt, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much, Michael. It's such an honor to be here. Thank you. Oh my gosh, you're stop it. I'm, I'm just glad you're on the on. No, on, you on stop it. Here. You got a published <laughs> author. You're a longtime contributor to Bigger Pockets as I have. And yeah. I'm just really excited that you've got your book done, which is no small feat. Mm-hmm. And really want to get into it. I mean, you and your, your wife, Liz, have really done a lot of really exciting real estate stuff. Mm-hmm. And now the book and you know the money you're raising and deals you're doing is really exciting. So, Thank you. Um, why don't you give us a quick background on how did you even get started in real estate? Like, what was what was going on in your life that says, "Huh, yeah, I need to start looking at something else." Like, what was going on in your right. life? Right. Let me mix this thing up a little bit. I'm way too bored. Right. Um, we uh, my I started dating my wife in like 2002. Uh, this could she, be a dating episode, Matt. Now we can go there. Right. We'll do the dating. All right. Yeah. We, we, uh, <laughs> 2002, I think, um, we, we, you know, met in Philadelphia and she's like, I've got a book you should read. She gave me a copy of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is, uh, this is really life changing. And then she got me to play cash flow, his board game and, uh, and that, which was just absolutely opened up my eyes to the possibilities of making money and earning a living other ways besides just working day to day. And so uh, that is what opened up my eyes to my first deal was what on bigger pockets they call a house hack. And I bought a three a bedroom a, a house, uh, lived in one bedroom, rented out to a couple of my buddies, and my rent was my mortgage was nine forty a month, and I was making five hundred from each of them, and so I was living there for free. And this this you know, at the time I'm like twenty six years old, right? So twenty six years old, living zero living expenses, yet also making. Uh, 60 bucks, you know, and then so I paid off all my student loans, paid off all my credit cards, paid off all my everything. And I'm like, man, this is a pretty cool gig. Well, let me do more of that. And so by then I was hooked. And when my wife and I got married, I quit my day job to start investing full time and was off to the races from there. And when did you do that? Talk a little bit about, about that. At what when, point did you quit your, yeah, at what point where were you in your investing career and talk about going from one to the other? So it was very early in in our in my investing career. At that time, when I quit, we had that single family home that I was living in at the time, and I just put somebody in my bedroom and became a full rental. And then we owned one duplex outside of uh, in, in like the the Philadelphia market down there. And uh, so we had a we weren't living off of the rentals at that point. But my wife and I made a 
very strategic decision to a delay having kids because I notice that most people that have kids and I have kids now, but most people that have that have kids are very risk averse as they should be. They got little lives that can't go fend for, fend for themselves just yet or anything like that. So, so we decided to strategically delay having kids, but also live below our means. So we were making even just off of her income way more than, than what our living expenses were. And so we bought bought a house, new home for us to live into below our means. And we, you know, didn't like just get a new vehicle every two years and didn't make decisions that were based on high expenses, made decisions based on low expenses that allowed us to live very well off of one income, which was just so un-American, Matt. I mean, come on. I know. Like, but you know, here's the, here's the thing. And I think about this a lot. You know, you save $100 off your expenses. It's like you buying, you know, a townhouse uh, somewhere that cash flows $100 a month. Yeah. So saving off expenses sometimes can be easier than actually buying real estate. And most people really only focus on the income. You obviously did both. But I think a yeah. first step is to actually focus on your expenses. So I learned that, not to make this about the game, but I learned that by playing that cash flow board game, right? And in the game, you've played, right? Everybody that's in this business has played. Okay. So uh, in the game, you, and you've got like these, you got an auto loan, a house loan, a credit card loan and whatnot. And I started to calculate the ROI that I would get in paying off my credit card in the game. And it's like, okay, if I write a check for three grand to pay off these credit cards, it's going to save me. I mean, it was something ridiculous return on investment. It was like a you know, 40, 50% return. And so that, that's what opened, just playing a silly little board game, not silly, but playing a board game opened me up to the possibilities of reducing expenses in life. Then I, I can take cash I have to pay down expenses or to just live, live on the lean, or I can take the cash I have and buy rental property. Both are good ventures um, and both put cash on my bottom line. All right. So since that early, you know, triplex, duplex, a lot of things have happened. So mm-hmm. just get us up to speed what you guys, uh, you and Liz have done over the years. Yeah. So after I quit my job and started doing this full time, you know, I, I mean, it, it has not all been like sunshine and roses. We got into a lot of different things and went in a lot of different directions when I first quit my job and uh, didn't just pick a lane and say, I'm going to do this. Uh, so we try to do flips, we try to do commercial deals, we try to do land deals, all kinds of fun stuff. And then I ran in a lot of different directions, but didn't really, you know, pick up much traction. The mark in 05, 05, 06, 07, things were running up. So we did make some money on the up on the run up of the market, but then didn't really find ourselves in, in real estate and tried a lot of different things, but didn't really find our our real niche of you know, small to mid-sized multifamily until the late 2000s, until eight, nine, ten, 10, when we started buying a lot more deals, doing a lot of stuff with our own cash. And this is post-crash. We were able to get into a lot of good opportunities. And then we started raising money in, um, in 2011. As the market was starting to show signs of coming back, um, we started raising money from investors and um, have been doing a lot of that since. And, and being um, the deal provider, as I refer to in the book, for passive cash providers. Uh, and it's been a great marriage, a great synergy. Yeah, so obviously your business really took off once you focused on multifamily. Going back before then, why do you think you lost so much time kind of getting there? And a lot of us do, and I certainly have, and a lot of my podcast guests have done the same way. We kind of lose our way in, in maybe single family house investing or different strategies, single family house investing or different strategies entirely. What was, it, what was going on with you guys that where you, you were maybe not really getting a lot of traction, as you, as you said? 
Yep. I think the biggest thing was we didn't have a solid set of achievable, attainable goals that we stuck to and didn't allow the distractions, the shiny nickels, if you will, to pull us away from those goals. And now that's where I'm at. I don't let things pull me away from my, I got my, my, my blinders on. Um, and I had anything but blinders on in the beginning. I was just chasing after whatever, you know, fun, new, you know, money making opportunity, opportunity showed up. So, and I think that that's the difference is just not having a set of, of a, and I keep saying attainable because it's, it may be fun to say, Hey, I, I'm, I'm, it's my first year of real estate investing and I'm going to go and buy a thousand units. That's going to be my goal for the first year. And, and it may be exciting and inspiring to talk about, but that's not, it's maybe not realistic. And unless you got, you know, a lot of contacts, a lot of resources in place. So uh, I found that having attainable, maybe stretch, but realistic goals in place and not losing focus on them is what it is. That's the, that's the difference that it took for me to be able to create real success for myself. At one point, did you realize that you wanted to, needed to raise money? Well, we just weren't able to do much more off of our, well, you know, it was after, it was after the crash. So we were, we were, we ran into the crash we were funding deals by refinancing our portfolio. So we had bought some small multis, some four families here and there, bought a few duplexes, bought an office building that I'm sitting in. I still own it. I'm sitting in it right now and that. So bought some assets and we were just refinancing them, repositioning them and whatnot to create more cash to buy the next deal. What happened was after the crash, we were in, I mean, I had one duplex in Philadelphia that I refinanced every year from like 05, 06, 07. I mean, every year I was pulling probably 20, 30, 40 grand out of it. And at that time we were playing in small deals. So I was able to do another deal every time I refinanced it, right? That carousel stopped <laughs> in, in, in 09. And, and after people realized the world wasn't going to end. Then real estate started to creep back up. We realized we needed more capital to do more deals and to implement what we'd all, what all we'd learned over the years of managing a lot of our own real estate and doing some construction projects and all that. So that's when we started raising private capital because after the crash, there, there wasn't enough to pull out of what we had anymore. So it was a necessity. It was a necessity, but how did you know you could actually raise money? Because mm -hmm. a lot of people were sitting here going, well, I can raise money. I, I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. It's it's interesting because it, it not that we just stepped in it, but it was just we were my wife and I are pretty good about talking about what we do and and just promoting you know the self promotion I guess so just just uh, just cocktail party mentioned that you're a real estate investor and I'd say this to your audience that that if that even if you've got the whatever profession they have it, it's fine but if they're the next time your audience is at a cocktail party they should mention hey, I'm investing in real estate even if they're looking to get in it, what happens is and this is what happened to us. Um, my wife was at an alumni event and she mentioned, yeah, my husband and I are running a real estate investment company. And one of her alumni friends said, geez, I wish I could invest in real estate too. I just don't have the time. And she was like, you should talk to my husband. So that was my first investor. We just went together for breakfast and put together a deal. And it was small. He put in $50,000 and we bought a couple of single family homes. That's it. I mean, it was a small, small, small deal and, and that, but I think that, um, you know, we, again, I talked to the right lawyers. I, I, you know, read, uh, just read up on this and did some research and stuff like that, but it doesn't have to be a couple hundred unit syndication. It can be smaller equity and still work. So we tend to start small. And then once we figure out the game, take it bigger. That's, that's the way we've invested. Not everybody does it that way, but that's what we've done. Yeah. And I, I love what you do in your, in your book It's called raising private capital. It's on Amazon. And great work, by the way, Matt. Thank nice you. job. Thank you very much. And I like how you kind of describe raising money on multiple levels. In fact, I got started raising money for house flips as well. 
Cool. Now we do syndications. You did the same thing, but you can get started on multiple levels and getting started with, with house flips is relatively simple to do. Mm -hmm. A title company can take care of the paperwork and it's really very, very simple to do. Now I hear a lot of people saying, you know, I, I'm uncomfortable in raising money. I'm, I'm, you know, never mix friends and money. You know, what is your take on that? I think that um, that's an interesting concept and I used to be there, but I mean, you know, like my, my mother, my in-laws, my, you know, I've got family members that are invested with me and stuff like that. And it, I had to come to grips with it. Um, but really what I would say to people that are uncomfortable with those kinds of things is, you know, how confident are you in your business? You know, how confident are you that your company can produce the returns you say? And if you are comfortable that your company can produce those returns, don't you feel that your immediate family members could benefit from what you do? Uh, why wouldn't you have them involved in what you do? Because who knows what the stock market's going to do tomorrow. And that's where most people's wealth is stored is on the, is on the Dow Jones Industrial Average. And if that thing takes a dip, then they're, they're out of luck, Right. So why wouldn't I protect them with something with collateral that they could get into, whether that's a private mortgage on a fix and flip or a equity share in an apartment complex, sticks and bricks. And yeah, it may have fluctuations and may go up and down, but I bet you it's not going to bottom, the bottom's not going to fall out and also they have collateral. So I had to look myself in the mirror and, and, and realize that what I offer is of value to people that I care about and also to people that are in my network overall. So... Yeah, I was I was the same way, and I finally convinced myself that I'm doing a disservice to people I know and love to withhold well an opportunity from them with well above said. average returns, low risk profile, and extraordinary tax benefits. You know, yeah. who am I to withhold that because I'm afraid that you know I might not make as much money for them as I as I promised. So um, I hear yeah. that I hear that a lot. You know, another thing I hear a lot is you know how do I how do I get get started with this stuff if I don't have a track record. Mm. That's a that's a good point. And I, what I recommend is that people, and I know you do a great job in in like with all the stuff that you've got out there with the YouTube and the coaching and, and the different ways that people can align with you with your organization and not have to like go buy an apartment building or try to go do a big deal on their own. They can align with somebody like yourself or with me or whatever um, to learn the ropes. And I think that's how you get a track record is you align with someone who's been around for a little bit longer. Not that we're gurus or whatever. We're just, we're just you know, I got a few battle scars, you know, from the business. And we're, we're here to keep people like that out of trouble to, get, to stop them from, you know, making mistakes and helping them. And that's, so I think that it's through aligning with someone that's been around for a little bit to show you the ropes and to keep you out of trouble. And also maybe you help them one of their deals and you can use that deal as part of your track record and, and that. So I, I, I think that's how you address it. You might have to start a little smaller too and work your way up into larger projects, which, you know, we live in a right now economy and nobody wants to, everybody wants to be rich tomorrow and everything like that. I get it. But just this real estate's a marathon. You have to realize that. It takes a while to you know, do one deal, then do another, and then build up and build up over time. Every once in a while, I get someone to email me, you know, marketing package. Hey, here's a great deal. What do you think? And every time I get that email, I just cringe on the inside uh, because they don't clearly don't value my, my time. They're not actually adding value at all. They're just sucking me, trying to suck me dry. And you talk about aligning themselves. What could someone do, Matt, to get your attention where you kind of go, huh? Let me talk to this person. Let me see if we can align each other. What what can great. someone do to get your attention? That's a great question because I think that people like us that have been around business owners that are established in the real estate business have struggles. We have pain. We have challenges. We got things we're trying to work around. And if somebody new that wants to learn from me or from somebody else or that that's that's in our position here that's been around for a little bit, someone wants to learn from us. 
why wouldn't they try and understand our business to try and find a way they can add value or try and help us navigate, circumnavigate some of the challenges or help us take our business to the next level? So instead of like, hey, can I pick your brain? You know, and can you just give me some free advice or whatever? Or can, like you said, can you just look at this deal for free for me um, and whatnot? Why not get to know where we want to go, where I want to go, where you want to go or whatever and help us get there. Help me find more deals. Help me raise more money. Help me underwrite opportunities. I've said on other, in another, I think I might have said this in the book, that if you find an active flipper and you want to get in the flip business, offer to go and run by their flips on a daily basis and shoot photos for them. Like, hey, here's pictures, you know, I'll run to Home Depot for your contractors, whatever it is. Just find some way to add value to help them take their business to the next level. It's real simple, you know, but, but um, the people don't think that way. They think that like, well, how can I benefit myself? Well, if you put the other person first, how can I benefit them? If I see that, the people are looking to contribute first, I will dump all into them and help them get where they want to go too because they get it. They get the giver's gain that if you give, you're going to get, you know? Yeah, adding value, exactly. Yes. You figure out where, where I'm trying to go and how do I help it and then, then all of a sudden they get my my attention, I get your attention as well. Yeah. So there you go. Align yourself with a, with a more seasoned partner and you yeah. have credibility. So, and don't be, yeah. don't be a taker. Don't try and take immediately. Try and give first and then you'll be offered. You don't have to take. It'll be offered to you, you know? What's your process of quote, raising money. So you're hitting there and I say, I want to do X, Y, and Z. I want to flip houses. I want to buy rentals. I want to do yeah. syndication. We have a couple of different outlets that we do. And I mean, the, the way that we uh, raise money is we just try and make it make people aware that we are a resource of real estate investments. And so that's through obviously the book, the YouTube channel, or doing bigger pockets and, and just our brand that we've that we've flown out there um, is, you know, we're a place you want to go. You want to learn how to invest passively in real estate. We are folks that can they can teach you how to do it and can give you the outlets to do it. What we offer is a couple of different facets. We do short-term stuff. So we, we still do fix and flips. And while the market is um, receptive to that, we will continue to do those. And I do those fix and flips with short-term capital. These are people that want to put money to work for you know, six months, nine months, something like that. Um, we also offer some turnkeys. These are people that want to just buy it and be their right for the, the owner of the owner on title, direct it where they want it to go and be a hundred percent fee simple owner of the property without our involvement at all. And then uh, as you, as your company does as well, uh, we offer syndications on larger multifamily for people that want to be in long-term, that want to park the money somewhere, be 100% passive and just let it, let it grow, maybe benefit from a refinance in the future, um, benefit from the tax benefits that it has and all the different great things that multifamily generates. But the problem is not everybody wants to lock money up for, you know, three, four or five years. There's some people want to be in, in and out, in and out. And that's, and we can all, we can do that too. So I found that some that the one solution doesn't offer every investor's answer. So we try and offer a few different ways to, for people to get involved in what we do. Yeah. So you provide a kind of a menu, a la carte menu, depending on the appetite of the, of the investors. Yeah. Well, it, we, and we had to pare it down to three because we used to offer all kinds of different things. Well, if you want to do this, we can do that. Or even like let the investor direct what they wanted to get into. Like, well, I want to buy, you know, I want to buy this. Okay. Well, let me see what I can do to build to get you into that. Uh, again, you can't be everything to everybody. So we, we serve three flavors of ice cream. That's it. They're talking to someone and obviously they're comparing everything when they're talking to you to the other uses of their capital, uh, stocks, you know, things of that nature. Yes. What is the argument for investing passively in real estate over possibly any other asset class? 
Well, the, it depends on what uh, vehicle they're getting into. So there's an argument for fix and flips. And I, I highly recommend whether people are investing in fix and flips as a lender or as a joint venture, or meaning they get a small chunk of the profit, um, that they're doing that through an IRA because they can leverage the IRA's tax deferment by putting money in, making a big chunk of tax, tax deferred return, and then investing all that back in the next thing and just leveraging compounded interest. Um, it's hard to find a vehicle like that in the stock market that yields regularly 8, 9, 10% or more um, in big chunks of cash that they can then parlay all into the next thing and grow and, and compound it over and over and over again, um, especially not something with collateral. So, I mean, there's other things out there maybe on the stock market, but none of them have collateral that you can go and have as a safety net or security to go and take back if the loan doesn't get paid, right? So that's one argument there. And as you know, there's, I'm sure you talk about it a lot for tax benefits for, um, for owning real estate directly, either through a syndication or through a turnkey. And uh, I recommend that people do that. They can do it through an IRA, but they don't. Be, they don't get all the benefits of of uh, that, that's there for owning real estate through a syndication if they own it through an IRA, because there's depreciation benefits that that really play really well if they own it in their own name or through or through a cash investment versus through a retirement account. So, yeah. So, so I think you meant earlier you're talking about that you guys were sharing your enthusiasm, raising awareness. Uh, sometimes people, when they say raising money. They go out there and they go, hey, I'm, I'm looking for $100,000. Are you in? And the investor's like, no. What are you talking about? Right. But can you talk about the philosophy around, quote, raising money as you approach people? Yeah. What's interesting is, is that, I mean, it, it, once you're in the real estate business, it's, it's interesting when you talk to people that are not in the real estate business because people in real estate, like if I, you know, if you and I were having lunch and I'm like, you know, hey, Michael, I found this great deal. It's going to produce 15% IRR for my investors. You're like, oh man, that's great. What's the cash on cash return? What's this? What's that? And you and I can speak in jargon back and forth and, and, and somebody that does not in the real estate business wouldn't know what the heck we're talking about. So what I think that deal providers don't do enough is to take their head completely out of the real estate business and realize that when they're talking to people about investing with them, it's got less to do with, you know, what's the return and how you're going to make money and the rent increase and what the market looks like and the demographics and stuff. Once you really vet the deal, then you want to know those kinds of things. But it's even simpler. Like, how does this thing work? Where's my money? Is it protected? Is, you know, am, am I buying the apartment building? No, you're actually owning a company that owns the apartment building. So, you know, they're, they're, what if I want to sell? What if this? What if I need my money back? It's way more basic questions. Than, than investors want to get into. And I think that it's that if you really want to speak the language of cash providers, you got to start from the beginning, which is talking about things like security and trust and how they're going to get their money back and how they're protected and why this is different than stocks. Those kinds of conversations. And forget about IRR because, you know, odds are they don't even know what that means. You know, you and I do, but they don't, you know. What is an investor's greatest fear? Losing their money. The, the money getting stolen because there's so many, unfortunately there's, there's, there's plenty of Bernie Madoffs and I've run into a lot of them in my life and in my career as real estate. And unfortunately, but there's a lot of Bernie Madoffs in our business and mine and your business and stuff like that. So, um, it, it's, it's unfortunately getting taken by somebody or the more, or their return, the, the harder money they're putting into a deal, just being lost. And, and that, so that's, that's by far their, their biggest, uh, their biggest concern that I've understood. So now knowing that, how does that affect your approach when you deal with people? Yeah. You got to talk about just, this is how it's protected and this is what happens. 
if this happens. So if the market goes down, this is what our angle of attack is. And if this fix and flip doesn't sell, you know, for what I want to sell it for, this is what happens. So talking about the if thens and, and that, I think that that's what works for me is, is, you know, speaking of worst case scenario, uh, if you will, and some investors don't want to go there because um, people want to paint this business to be all roses and sunshine and stuff like that, which a lot of times it is. But you also got to be willing to to have the courage to talk about you know the sometimes when it's not roses and sunshine and what we do, how we mitigate that. Yeah, so true. Uh, sometimes yeah. I hear, hey, you know what? Uh, I've tapped out all my personal resources, or heck, I don't even know anyone with money. How do you not expand? Uh, well, okay, not true. <laughs> not how do true. you expand? <laughs> How do you expand your circle of influence? So, what what, what do you talk, what do you say? To someone like like I don't know anyone, or I've, I've tapped everyone out. Well, I've tapped everyone out. It's different. I mean, if they've already done deals with those people, then they should be asking for referrals. But if they feel like they've asked everyone that they know for money, then I, I think that they probably are maybe going about it the wrong way, or they need to know where to look for money. And my book talks a lot about money that it, most cash providers that are that have quite a bit of equity to put into real estate don't realize that they have it it's something like 30% of of the homes single family homes in America that people live in 30% of those homes are owned free and clear right that is an opportunity for somebody to put a HELOC on their on their primary residence and untap that equity and put it into something to build their wealth right if it's if it's implemented the right way that's one option there's also retirement accounts uh, there's also people that have cash that don't realize they could they just didn't know there was other things to do with the money. So I think that we as deal providers are our biggest role is education is showing them. Did you know you could put your retirement account into real estate? Let me show you how to do it. That's illegal. You know? That's illegal. It costs money. Right. No, no, it's illegal. You can't do that. It has to be in a mutual fund. You know, my, my <laughs> the best I've had people whose financial planners told them that it was illegal, you know, uh, and stuff like that. So it's, you know, okay, but actually, actually it's not. Here's, here's companies' websites that do something called a self-directed IRA. Let's learn about that together. Let me show you, you know. And so uh, I think a lot of what we do is educating people where they actually do have money. So people that are running around going, I don't know anybody with money. Well, maybe on the surface you don't, and maybe all your friends don't drive really nice cars and live in big mansions, but you know, a little secret is that doesn't mean money. That probably means that they're just broke at a different level. But if you learn how to look for money, and the book talks all about how to look for money in your own network, then if you learn those tools, then you can most likely find money you didn't realize was sitting right under your nose. Now, I can imagine that you're raising money differently now, today, than you did uh, many years ago. How are you raising money today? What does that look like? Um, we do a lot through, uh, you know, we, we talk about going through the different tiers of raising money. So tier one is like your local contacts. Tier two is referrals and the, and the next iteration of contacts, maybe joining networking groups and stuff like that. And then you get to the point where you're able to, to benefit from things like you and I do, which is to have a voice local, have a voice on a national level and everything like that. And just be what, what my buddy Joe Fairless calls being a thought leader, which is driving some of the conversation around real estate. And that we do that for our YouTube channel through, you know, speaking and I, you know, just a luckily through the book that we've, that we've been so lucky as to be able to write. So we raise a lot of money through those education arms and through um, people being aware of what we do. And by just by like transparency, Michael, that's probably the biggest way that we do it is because I put everything on YouTube. I put my, my losses, my wins. I, I'll like, you know, 
we had a fire at one of our units uh, in one of our apartment buildings and completely got absolutely wrecked. And so I grabbed my cell phone. It's like, hey, let's shoot a video for the YouTube channel and I'll video this completely demolished uh, that got burned out. Let's look at this together. Um, so we don't, we don't pull any punches or hide anything. And so I think it's through transparency that we're able to generate interest in what we do because we lay it all on the line. So the book is called Raising Private Capital by Matt yes. Faircloth. Matt, That's I'm right. so thrilled that you were on the show. Fantastic book. And it's definitely a must read for everybody. So yes. thank you again for coming on the show. And they can get more about the book. Uh, they, they can get it on, as you said, on Amazon or on Bigger Pockets, but also there's an easy link to it on my website. And you can hear more about what we're up to and, and get to know us personally and us and what we're doing and all that by going to derosagroup.com. That's D-E-R-O-S-A group.com. That's awesome. So derosagroup.com and the book again is Raising Private Capital. Awesome. Yes. Matt, yeah, thank you so much for being on the show. Cool. Thank you, Michael. It's been a great conversation. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. I could talk about raising money all day long. It is such a critical skill to learn. The good news is it's not difficult to learn. So I find Matt's book really a very good book. It's a, a really good read. There's a lot of information in there. So definitely go grab it. It's on Amazon, Raising Private Capital. It's a blue book. And again, while you're there, get mine also, Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing. I talk a lot about raising money as well. So uh, really actually put the two books together, a uh, really, really good combination, all about raising money. So again, we kind of scratched the surface, though I hope you can see that it's possible and how it's possible. So the details are obviously in our books, so grab those as well. Speaking of learning raise money and doing more deals, I'm really excited about my upcoming live conference November 2nd through 4th in Northern Virginia, just right outside of Washington, D.C. It's called Dealmaker Live, November 2nd through 4th. So go to the website and uh, check that out, dealmakerliveevent.com for more information. Or you can go to themichaelblank.com forward slash event. So themichaelblank.com forward slash event may be easier to remember. But it's really all about where dealmakers get together. So we're going to have presentations of people who have done real deals. They're going to present how they found them, how they raise money for them, how they finance them. We're going to have lots of Q&A. We're going to have lots of networking and some surprise guest speakers as well. So check it out, themichaelblank.com forward slash event dealmaker live november 2nd through 4th in washington dc all right guys if you love the show i'd love to hear from you on itunes leave me a review love to see those again appreciate you spending time with me here i will catch you on the next episode thanks for listening to the apartment building investing podcast with michael block for more free podcasts articles and videos go to themichaelblanc.com there, you can also download the free ebook, The Secret to Raising Money to Buy Your First Apartment Building. Till next time.